It's not another Bills podcast with John Corzilius. How do you usually cope with these Bills losses? Because I don't, I don't know about you. I myself usually go through some variant of the seven stages of grieving, where you basically start with anger and depression, and then you end up coping and bargaining, and, and eventually get to this place where you can sit and do a podcast. I guess. Brandon Habermas. Guess what, buddy? You're not going to earn it today. Go back home. You're not going to get it today because Josh is going to come out and kill you. I'm sorry. I'm not murderous. I'm not a murderer. I'm Pat Caprio. Maybe there's a negative reaction from the TB12 formula. I mean, the dude's eating like soy pills every day. Even in that Subway commercial, he's like, I can't eat it. It looks so good, but I can't eat it. But come on, Tom. You can eat a fucking Subway sandwich. Oh, man. What's up, guys? Coming off a win. You guys feeling a lot better than last week? Yes. Much better. Except Aaron Rodgers is laying an egg and Aaron Jones is having a great game. So Brando's going to probably... Just puts the final touches on a quality weekend for me. (laughs) Getting the dub, the Bills, also getting the dub. (laughs) Squishing the fish as well. Brandon, I have you at a projected 6-11 and 11 in fantasy this year. Well, guess what? It's a happy Galladay today, folks, because happy Galladay <laughs> steps over uh, Jay and Silent Bob. And our, unless Aaron <laughs> Rodgers decides to have like six touchdowns in the fourth quarter now that I said this. Yes. So. <laughs> you guys can't even see. I have a Jay and Silent Bob poster behind me. <laughs> Great movie, Clerks. Go home, watch it, kids. Um, <laughs> it's rated R. Don't tell your mom and dad. Um, but... <laughs> All right, so what what was your guys' favorite aspect of the game yesterday? So, like, before we get into the nitty-gritty, what part of the game yesterday was was the most fun for you guys to watch? The defense. Just every time. You know, we used to have, be so afraid of our team on defense. It's cool to be able to watch a football game and be excited about the play that they're going to have next. It could be a turnover. It could be a sack. It could be a big hit. It could be a knocking two out to have him go out on a golf cart. It, it makes it entertaining to watch both sides of the game because I feel sometimes I can get kind of distracted on the when the Bills are on defense and I want to watch offense. So watching the entire defense put together a masterpiece was great. Yeah, dude, I totally agree with you. I, I kind of liken it to the last time that I felt like, I mean, the Bills have had dominant defensive performances here and there in the past few years and Hopefully what they've done so far this year, they can keep that going throughout the year. But I, I, I felt like when we were playing in like, I don't know, what was it, 2016, the second Rex Ryan year where we're those that, that year where we had the game against the Packers and the Broncos. And I think we ended up losing the Broncos game, but Bill's defense shut down Aaron Rodgers and essentially Peyton Manning that year as well. Yes. One of those players is on our heroes of the drought list today too. So stay tuned. But yeah, I kind of liken it to watching those teams. Uh, it feels like the Jim Schwartz defense where it was fun. Super Bowl champion Jim Schwartz, dude. Former Lions coach Jim Schwartz. Sorry, carry on, John. Leslie Frazier's defenses have always been kind of like bend, not break, technically sound, but not always exciting to watch. And like yesterday was exciting. Like the D-line making plays all over the place. And it doesn't help. I mean, Miami's line is kind of weak. But Patty, what about you, man? What did you like watching? I, I really liked watching some of these guys on the come up, man. Like, geez. Number one, AJ Epinesa, as my dad would say, that's a two year old Colt that you get him from the sale and he's fat and you got to run him and run him and run him till he's in shape. But, um, you know, you know who's a two year old Colt that was ready to be an open trotter? 
win right away. Greg Rousseau, man. Oh my God. Like I was, and like, it's so funny because you see him like in the post game and you're like, Oh my God, here's the, he looks like he's 16 years old with braces. And then he's just tossing dudes around. Like I, I was very impressed with that. No. And the other thing I was happy is that like our offensive line played a lot better. And I, I you know, that was something we talked about last week that was kind of concerning. And I, I just was glad this team responded to adversity the way that they, they did. Yeah, like you said, Greg Rousseau is just ready to go like a Colt. Man, he's like a Christmas present that is ready to go out of the box that is included with batteries. Like I'm thinking in the Hess trucks, man. Batteries included. Yeah. <laughs> he just steps out. He takes the year off to work on himself and he just dominated him and Epinesa, man. No, they did for sure, man. Even the old fellas were Jerry and Mario Addison were getting some penetration. Zimmer had a sack, man. He played good. He's one of my favorites too. Really well. I like Justin Zimmer a lot. One of my favorite Zimmer plays from this game was not even his sack. I mean, he looked great, but there was a a screen that Miami ran. Miami gained like 10 yards on the play, but Zimmer, after getting off of his block, ended up turning around and chasing down the running back from, you know, like three yards behind him. Dude's got some wheels. He's got a motor for sure. So he's just one of those. I, I, I think he's a cool story because, you know, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, Pat and I were talking about how does Justin Zimmer even make this roster, you know, based on the defensive tackle depth and they see something in him. And I mean, we're getting to see it now too, but he definitely brings a lot to the depth that D tackle. And, you know, he was, he was active yesterday and Harrison Phillips wasn't. So, you know, watch out for Zimmer. He's, he's a little bit undersized, but I, I think that he's had some, some good stuff for the bills lately. So I'm excited. I feel like the whole line is undersized except Russo, but would they say star lost a lot of weight in the off season? Jerry slimmed down. Mario slimmed down. I feel like their strength and conditioning, John Feliciano slimmed down. And you think about it, knock on wood, the injuries for this team have not been crazy over the last McDermott tenure, four or five years. And I think the medical staff training staff has some sort of credit to that. And this change in, in body type, I think it'll fit their offense more and you're seeing it happen. So that's a cool little behind the scenes thing, maybe. I, I think Stars definitely like not to say it because this defense did play very well week one, but I felt like he was almost like the missing link to this team. Like, like we had talked about before, just needing someone to eat space. Like I, I felt like he really allowed everyone around him to play much better. Dude, he probably eats space with freaking chocolate sauce. Yeah. First play from scrimmage, there was three Dolphins offensive linemen. <laughs> blocking star he takes up space bro <laughs> yeah how about how about taron johnson though he he showed up big time he he had a great game i don't know if you guys saw some of the some of the plays that he made in that first series had a big sack and then he's just like i i guess underestimated how complete of a player he is like i mean everyone knew you know he's pretty good in pass coverage but like i mean pass coverage pursuit to the ball run defense like i mean I just was really impressed. And like when he comes off the edge, man, like him and Micah Hyde, I mean, it wasn't like a normal defensive back hitting a quarterback, you know, type sack. It was like, you could hear the pads hit for sure. Brando, you probably know this better than I do, but I, I think I saw, was that, was that Micah Hyde's first sack with the bills? It could have been. I, I'm not sure. He doesn't usually blitz. No, he doesn't. Cause it's usually Poyer the way that they're set up free safety and uh, strong safety. Name a DB. They, Got a hit on Tua yesterday. They're faster than any of the O-line. They had the mismatch all day long, and Tua took too long to get rid of the ball. Yeah, and Jacoby Brissett did out-finesse Trey White like two times in a row, I will say. But 
<laughs> did you see those plays where Trey had like a free shot at him and he went to like bat the pass down and just Jacoby Brissett looking like a chunky history teacher, like seventh grade <laughs> history teacher with the long sleeves. Just, I felt like he didn't play as bad as he could have, honestly. Like, I think moving forward, you know, if they're in that situation again, he's someone I think could pull out a W if they had to. I mean, granted, he didn't light the place up, but it, I mean, like Devontae Parker. Like, he dropped a touchdown in the end zone, man. It was a total dime. Like, you know what I'm talking about, Johnny? He's like a 50-yard bomb. Yep, yep, yep. It was against Trey White. Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett, I think, is honestly, besides Mitch Trubisky, is the best backup in the AFC East. Um, I don't think that there was that much of a fall-off. I think that that game goes pretty similarly, whether Tua stays in or not, if I'm being honest, but... Yeah, it's it's funny, and I'm sure you guys have already seen this stat because it's kind of been floating around Twitter and stuff like that. And I think they even mentioned it on the broadcast that um, the Bills' last road win or road shutout rather was um, New England a couple of years ago, sixteen to zero, and the co- quarterback for that was Jacoby Brissett. So I, I thought that was a pretty cool like little tidbit. But yeah, no, I I think Jacoby Brissett is. He's not bad. He made some plays and he stood he stood strong in the pocket and and didn't make too many terrible decisions. I mean, if if you want to count the Levi Wallace interception as a bad decision, I guess he could, but I thought that was just a good I mean, good Mike Gesicki was wide Levi. open too. You know, he just Yep. Yep. Patty, did you uh did you start Gesicki on your uh on yes, your fantasy I did. squad? He got me yeah. some he got me some points. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. He's one of those guys too that kind of sucks because like they rag on him for being a, you know, a bad blocker. And it does. It takes a lot of, and I, I can't talk. I couldn't block anyone in the NFL, obviously. But like, you know, I, I think that, I mean, that's what makes Travis Kelsey so great is, you know, he can't, he can be on the field all four, well, probably three, but four, you know, if they're feeling ballsy in Kansas city, you know, I just, I think the bills even could benefit from having a player like that. Someone that is a force, you know, in run blocking as well as pass catching, because as good as he is catching passes and as good as Dawson Knox is catching passes. Like when it comes down to like a situation where we have to, you know, stick it for a yard and a half, like it's Reggie Gilliam throwing that block. (laughs) How crazy is it that you just said that, you know, Dawson Knox is pretty reliable catching passes. I know. I know. If that had had come out of your mouth, like six weeks ago, we would have been like, Pat, what the hell did you just say? Huh? Turns out, turns out, getting an A plus in tight, tight end university does pay off. It does, apparently. <laughs> Ping pong balls. Dawson Knox right now has more forced fumbles than drops this season and that game, which is hilarious to me. Stat of the year nominee. Did you see on Singletary's run? Uh, I, when I saw the replay, I didn't see Singletary's run. I was literally just getting in the car, so I had the call on WGR Murph calling it, and he. Was was hype about it, but when I went back and watched it, you see Singletary split the hole at the line of scrimmage, but then you see the corner could probably make a play on Singletary maybe ten yards out, but Diggs just gets this tiny little block on him. I think it was Diggs, maybe maybe it was Sanders. I think it was Diggs, but he, Diggs gets this little block that sets the whole play up to go for a touchdown. And I was like, you know, I love you, Stefan. You just do everything. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. He really he, sells out for blocks. He does, For man. Sure. He puts his he puts his body on the line, whether he's catching one over the middle, you know. Like it, I don't know what you guys thought about that first touchdown. But I thought I was watching Derek Jeter make a jump throw to first base for a second there. Like I mean, is is pretty awesome. And for him to have the balls to stay with that play all the way through, too. I mean, that only happens because he falls. 
who Xavier Howard did? No, Diggs falls out of his route. He Diggs goes to make a run to the left part of the end zone and he slips. Then he gets back up and that's why he's wide open because they, he hit the ground and Josh is way to the right. And then he stands up and he's wide open in between the two defenders. What are you going to say though, Johnny? Oh, I was going to say, uh, you're talking about Jeter passes. Even, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it last night. Yeah, on Lamar night had one too, dude. Yep. Yep. Did you see the quote from Leslie Frazier on Tyron Johnson? Yeah. Taron Johnson. Yeah. 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 Taron Johnson. He called him a coach on the field. I thought that was a pretty big compliment. Yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's like a lot of praise because there are a lot of coaches, you know, that just have to be players on that defense. Like I could see Jerry Hughes really, you know, taking on that role and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer do already Trey white, you know, so to be called a coach on the field amongst those intellectuals of the game is pretty big compliment. It's a very big compliment and he's just the perfect player for it because they play what 85% of their defense in nickel. And Saran Neal is just a little too small. I like him too, but Johnson fits no, that no. hybrid. Saran, Saran Neal is the yeah, big. He's nickel. chubby. He can't cover in defense. He's the he's the, uh, he's the long passes. he's the long guy. He's not as fast as Taron Johnson. So he's when they go big nickel, so they go their nickel package on like uh, certain downs and distances. But Taron Taron's is their base nickel essentially. But uh, Saran Neal is their their big nickel corner. If that makes sense. So he's like a he's he's more of a linebacker than. Uh, Taron Johnson is, if that makes sense. Yeah, but. but it's interesting because he is more of a linebacker, but he's he's fast too, Neil. That's why he's such a special teams ace. But Johnson, same thing with Levi Wallace. I feel like they have tried to replace both of those players on two occasions now. Levi, this is his third year trying to get, but he beats them out. They keep beating these players out, and that's a good testament to this homegrown system that they have also and. They're just built like this perfect puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Taron Johnson. Great, great draft find. What was he, a fifth rounder? Yeah. But I mean, if you've ever seen that YouTube video, he probably would have been like a a third or fourth rounder, but he was the one where they did the jugs gun and he wasn't ready. They were doing the catch and drill and it just like drilled him in the face. If you look up like Taron Johnson, NFL combine, it's like literally like an NFL best, best of follies, you know? So I'm happy you got here. What'd you think about uh, the offense, though, Johnny? We haven't really touched on on that too much. Well, yeah, I guess I guess that brings us to our next uh, part of the show, which is, I mean, the offense. I mean, put up thirty five points. You know, I can't complain. But at the same time, you know, stuff wasn't perfect. Um, so I don't know. Josh hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. And I know the ceiling is or, or the bar has been set pretty high from last year. You know, MVP caliber season, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's been he's been good, but not great, I guess, uh, you know, to to his own standards, uh, self-admitted also. So, I guess uh what is your guys' level of concern going forward um w- with that and how do you think these next couple of weeks are going to look for not only the Bills offense, but uh Josh in particular? When you sit there and you say what did you expect out of Josh this year? You know, I'm always on the bandwagon so i'm always superstar superstar but if you if you look at the at his progress the first two years to that third year no one's ever done that before so you think maybe that's like maybe an outlier of like his best season ever and you look back at because i feel like we're getting a lot of 2019 josh right now managing the game he's not so sure of himself that duck throw to Diggs that he's lucky that Diggs is a all-star to go up and get that ball 
some of the, that throw to Sanders over the sideline, over his head on the sideline. Uh, you know, he's trying to figure out his game. And while he figures it out, that's cool because we have an elite defense that's back to that level of, of all pro top five defense. So I don't want to worry too much while Josh figures it out because I think he's going to come in somewhere in between those two seasons, the 2019 and, and 2020. So if, if Josh had four to 800 yards and 1800 more yards than he did the previous year, so I don't just cap him at 4,000 yards, right? Give him, give him somewhere in the middle. But also if you look around the league, there was so many bad interceptions thrown yesterday. Lamar Jackson had two, and it, it almost cost his team. Mahomes had one. Zach Wilson had four. Ben Roethlisberger had some bad ones. Uh, Baker was bad. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't play well. Kyler Murray threw into a triple coverage one time. It, you know, playing quarterbacks hard. So uh, these yeah. guys are—they're just warming up. So true. And I think that there's a lot of potential contributing factors to this because there's a lot of stuff that goes into it because you're thinking about how offenses thrived last year in the NFL and you know, whether or not you can say that that was because stadiums were empty or there was no preseason as well, which is another contributing factor possibly. But I don't know when we're taking a look at at Josh this year so far, he's had, I mean, he, he was not immune to these kind of games last year against the Titans, against the chiefs, even some of the playoff games, he was not spectacular. You know, he the was Jets, not even. He was, didn't score yeah, touchdown. even the Jets. He was not hero Josh. He was not, you know, uh, against San Francisco. You know, we, we look at those games like San Francisco, Seattle, and, and yeah. Seattle, and some of those other games where LA. he just, you know, threw for somewhere between 300 and 400 yards. And, and that's the kind of Josh that, that we definitely wanted to see every single game this year. And we still might for sure. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of reasons why we we aren't seeing that Josh yet, and it's 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 hard to tell. We can only kind of guess it at, at this point. You know, it could be a little bit of his jitters, or not his jitters, but he gets really really amped up. So maybe having full stadiums is contributing to that a little bit. I don't want to say that definitively because I don't know for sure, but it, it could be that. It could be that defenses have had a year of film on him. And, and the Bills offense as well. So they've kind of caught up to what he's doing. Or it could just be that the offense is still kind of hitting its stride, you know, and, and, and they're just kind of figuring it out. I think that we're still going to see MVP Josh this season, you know, and hopefully it's at a rate that we saw last season. And hopefully it's for as many games as we saw last season as well. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried at all. Honestly, I think that, the most encouraging thing coming out of this game is that the defense looks great and we don't need Josh at MVP caliber to win, which at points we kind of did last year. Like the Bills defense could not stop the run last year in a lot of games. And, and some of that was by design against Kansas City. So I'll, I'll take that out of the equation. But so I, I, I'm still encouraged. I think Josh is going to hit his stride. And I, I, I just hope that it happens at the right time because I mean, there's tons of teams who 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 aren't you know dominant the first month of the season. It's all about hitting your stride in December and into the playoffs. So that that's when I'll if, if they're still struggling in December, then I'll be concerned. But uh, I, I'm still all optimism, you know, for right now as it is. So I don't know about you guys. I agree, and I think you know a lot of it. Like you said, I mean, we did we we needed Josh to play in an insane level to win a lot of games last year. And like 
he kind of looks like 2020 Josh Allen to me, which isn't bad, man. I mean, 2020 Josh Allen won 10 games. Like, you know, 10-6. 2019. Oh, 2019. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We know what you meant. But. but you know what I mean? And that team was one, you know, Cody Ford holding penalty away from playing in the divisional round. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not too worried. And at the same time, I mean, he's missing. I mean, Gabe Davis isn't 100%. You know, a lot of these guys that he's relied on in the past, you know, even Beasley. I mean, he had a couple catches, but like I haven't seen him have a breakout game really. We haven't had a 100-yard receiver, you know, so. I, I saw a stat on Gabe Davis that Dawson Knox, he took the spot of Gabe Davis this week who did have a touchdown, which is interesting that the replacement for Davis had a touchdown because Davis had the touchdown last week. But in that, in that, what is it? 10 personnel with three receivers, a tight end and a running back. So they ran a lot of 11 personnel this week. 11 personnel is one tight end, one running back. Yeah. Cause it's Sanders Beasley and Diggs and Knox because Davis came off the field for Knox but in the Pittsburgh game, Knox did not play that much because the Bills came out with five wide receivers more than any team in the league. Yeah, they had like there was what I don't know, uh, ten snaps in the league, um, and in that personnel, and the Bills had nine of them, I yeah. think, week one. So Davis got those snaps in week one, but he didn't get that in week two. But Knox did catch the touchdown, and he he had a big play in the blocking right that we talked about earlier. So. You know, it's, it'd take one for the other. If, like we said, we won 35 zip. Yeah. So. And if you're willing to adapt, I think that's a mark of a great team, too. You know, like we talked about, you know, we hope the Bills don't have to run the ball 25 or 30 times a game. But also, like, I mean, the more you can be whatever you want to call it, you know, diverse and how you win games. Like they, I think they said to Sean McDermott in the press conference yesterday, you know, you're throwing off speed pitches. And it's like, yeah, every great pitcher throws off-speed pitches, and there's been games Tom Brady's had to rely on running backs. I mean, he won a Super Bowl on the back of Sony Michelle. It's like, so you know... So many Super Bowls. The, the early Patriots were running game manager Brady. Yeah, Corey Dillon, and then he would maybe flick a couple. Dion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this week in particular for the Bills, it was... I don't think that it was Brian Dayball coming out and saying, hey, we need to run the ball more because I don't think that the Bills feel that they want to run the ball more efficiently, but they don't want to do it more in volume. After seeing some of the personnel packages for the Dolphins defense, I really understand why they wanted to run so much because the Dolphins had six or seven DBs out there for like every single play for like the first two series or so, which is essentially just daring the Bills to run because again, if you got Josh Allen, you got to stop Josh Allen first if you're if you're the opposing defense. So obviously that didn't work out great for Miami, but I think that that's why the Bills were so run heavy to start the game, which is uncharacteristic for the last year and a half or so for the Bills. The fact that Singletary scored a touchdown on the second play from scrimmage for the Bills, right, second, third play, I think might have changed the game script a little bit. Because if he doesn't have that big touchdown, maybe they don't run it so much. But running was so effective, they just diced it up. It's easy to run when you got a lead, too. It's easy, exactly easy to run when you have the lead and you're succeeding at it. So, so I don't know about you guys. Uh, how does this affect your? I guess we'll kind of come back to this every week. But does this affect your record prediction? Does has this swayed it in the positive direction with a thirty-five to zero win? No. Uh, 
Still uh, till twelve and six. 12 or, and five. I'm sorry. Twelve oh, and yeah, five. 12, my bad. Yeah, twelve and five. Twelve and five. No, I mean, I don't know. Got to stay even keel, and I think you know maybe if they because last year I mean they won was it eight or nine straight after a loss. So I don't know. Don't want to say anything too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, what about you? Brian Dable said it in his, I think his post game presser where he's talking about what he said with Josh saying, he's like, we try not to ride the roller coaster here. It's easy to get high. It's easy to get low. Uh, and you know, I'm always on the freaking roller coaster. So I'm, I'm high and low all the time, but I think, but I said it about earlier, my regression is going to be with Josh. If he regresses a little bit from last year, but I still think, you know, 13 and four, 12 and five. I've been I've been super high. I, I put him at a two loss season when I think we did our record predictions, which is generous to say the least. Um, I mean, in these last two weeks, I think I put him at three to four losses. You know, in reflection of that, but I mean, not that much. That's more of a reflection of the first week and, and stuff like that. So we'll have a much clearer vision of what the season is going to look like after weeks five and six. I don't know. Titans, I mean, the Bills for a couple of years there were really kicking the Titans' butt. And then all of a sudden we had this terrible game last time. So hopefully, if we re- remove all those extenuating circumstances around the Titans game that we had to deal with last time, you know, with, with the COVID reschedule and stuff like that, we'll get a, an even keeled game against the Titans and, you know, kick their butts and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think once we get out of that Kansas City and Tennessee game, we'll have a much better, uh, vision for what the the rest of the season is going to look like the more i watch the the chiefs the more i I get nervous for them i'm kind of looking forward to it because the bills really have not been on their game playing the chiefs lately and it's it's not like they had great games and then lost by two points you know that's like we haven't seen we haven't seen mvp josh against the chiefs he had two down games last year against them we haven't seen uh, Leslie Frazier's defense have a good day against the Chiefs. And, you know, that part of that is the, how good the Chiefs are. But, you know, they took an L last night, and it's because Baltimore scored lots of points. Well, and Clyde Edwards, Elair had a terrible fumble. I mean, that's pretty much exactly. The yeah. This is the only exactly. reason they would have won. Yeah. Yeah. So by scoring, they scored, the Ravens scored 30, would they have 35 points to that point? I think they won 36-35, right? So they had 36. They had 36 points at that point, and the only reason they won was because Lamar played really MVP football and the Chiefs messed up. It was a, it was their own fault. So if that's what it takes for the Ravens to beat them, what's it going to take for us to beat them? Well, first off, you got to score a lot of points. Like, the Bills have not been able to do that against the Chiefs, and they have the ability to. So I think that... You know, they've had two off days against the Chiefs, and I don't know. I, I don't think that Steve Spagnola has anything that the Bills can't counter. I think that, you know, I mean, they've had two shots at it, so maybe maybe the Bills will come a little bit more ready come that matchup. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. So, Not to be a critic to Josh, because we all know I love Josh, but I did the math. For him, if he makes $42 million a, game, a year, it's two point five million dollars per game so it's cool when uh he's on his rookie contract and he's playing like this in 2019 but if we're paying him two and a half million dollars to have an off day against the best team in the league he's something's got to give well he's still got two years from his extension that we're paying him right now that's not crazy money before he's 
Yeah, let, let's let's not get too far into the contract dis- discussion stuff too soon because I'm gonna have start. I'm gonna start having flashbacks to Brian Fitzpatrick. You know when he signed his big contract and 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 st- stopped playing well and fifty million dollar contract. Get this, <laughs> yeah, which is nothing in today's NFL, which is hilarious. But yeah, not to go too far into the back of my mind right now, but I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is so smart that he realized he could make more money in the NFL, not by playing well on good contracts, but by playing well enough to get a big contract, playing bad, going to another team, and then having team A still owe you money from their contract. You know, being a bad guy, everyone knows the Ryan Fitzpatrick cycle, but I don't know. I think the dude's... He's a Harvard man. He is, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure nobody knew that either. (laughs) Just like nobody knew that... uh, Chris Hogan plays across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one it. of those tidbits that they bring up on every broadcast. All right, uh, quick, quick trivia for you, John. Ryan Fitzpatrick career earnings in his NFL career. Oh, dude, this is going to be a total shot in the dark. What was his contract for the Bills? Fifty million? I don't know. I mean, they didn't have a lot of guaranteed money back then, so I don't know how much of that he made. And he only stayed like another year after that. I'm going to put him in between, uh, this might be too big of a range, 80 to 110 million. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 110. For Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Is that way off? So he was a seventh round pick in 2005. So from so he's been in the league for 16 years. And he has made, do you want, no, 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 Pat, you give me your guess too. Give me your guess. Yeah, so I was going to say 110, maybe 125. I mean, depending on how cheap that Rams seventh round deal was back in the day. $51,066,098, which is 18th all time amongst quarterbacks. Coming in between Andrew Luck at 52 million and Russell Wilson at 46 million. Wow. Yeah, we really were guessing high there. Which is nuts because if if you look back at that stat three years from now, it's going to blow your mind because Josh is making what, like 40 a year now? Yeah, 43 like million, that. I think. Yeah. In one year, he makes what Ryan Fitzpatrick makes in 16. Now, if you pull up Tom Brady's money, too, he's he's not too high up on that list either. Let's see. Um, well, I mean, when you have a wife that's making more than you anyway, I mean, I guess that's. He's got a thing for women of power. Do you, I will give you each a guess at the number one earning quarterback of all time. Tom Brady's number two with $196 million. And there's one other person above him. It, it's got to be somebody who played for a lot of years. I don't think it's Peyton. Nope. Years. It's not. It's not far, right? Too early. He went, They weren't making real money. That's what I was there. thinking. Like, and it's not. It, yeah. it can't be Drew Brees. It can't be Philip Rivers because Drew Brees comes in at number three at 181 million. Philip Rivers comes in at number four at 173. Okay, million. so we're getting warmer. He's probably a guy that never won one either. That's why I'm like. Okay. All right. Uh, first clue is, is he still playing or no? No, he is not. You're right. Well, maybe Alex Smith. His four years. Those number one draft picks. Alex Smith comes in at, you're right though. The, the, before they changed the draft rule, he comes in at number 12 with 93 million. All right. I'll give you another hint. I'll read you his bio. His four-year $84 million extension in 2015 with $67 million guaranteed certainly put him over the top when comparing it to Tom Brady's two-year extension 
for $28 million at the same time. 2014. Can't be Romo. That's past Romo's prime. Um, His contract expired in 2019, which is when he retired. Uh, Y'all are going to kick yourselves. 2019. Retired in 2019. Okay. Wasn't Peyton's 2018, so I... Who the hell could it be? Um, retired in 2019. Ben Roethlisberger was number five. Carson Palmer's number six. Matt Ryan's number seven. Aaron Rodgers is number eight. Joe Flacco's number nine. And Matthew Stafford's number 10 to round out the top 10. How long did he play in the NFL? Drafted in 2004. Okay. It's not Eli Manning, right? Number one earner of all time, Eli uh, Manning at two hundred and five oh million seven hundred and eight thousand. Hey, you know what? I wonder if it was one of. The, I mean, and we knew it wasn't Ben or Philip Rivers. I was wondering if it was one of those two thousand four boys. Yeah, I mean, in his defense, he did beat. Yeah, well, the other ones are. He did beat right. possibly the biggest juggernaut of all time, like those twenty eleven Patriots. Like, yeah, no, he did. Steve Spagnola too. Hey, man. Oh seven. Ah, uh, dude. He won at what? 2011, 2007? Are those the correct years? Yep. Yeah. Both teams. Some other interesting names on this list. Matt Schwab, $82 million career earnings. Mark Sanchez, $72 million. Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Mark Sanchez's stats are Matt so Matt Castle, bad. $61 million. Wow. Matt Castle getting that money. Yeah. Yeah. All you got to do is sit behind Tom Brady. Sean Hill, $25 million. Way back in the Niners days. Jeez, I can't believe Eli Manning is number one. I mean, granted, like we said, he beat two great teams. He's two-time Super Bowl champion. And if Plexo Burst didn't shoot himself in the foot, potentially three-time. Um, it's pay, It's going to be Mahomes now once his contract comes through. Correct, yeah. But, but. Anyway, uh, we put out a, a Twitter poll today. Uh, which part of yesterday's game surprised you the most? Option one was Josh Good, but not great. Option two is defensive dominance. Option three was rushing volume. And option four was Knox forced fumbles more than drops. We had basically defensive dominance was the uh, overwhelming favorite out of our voters. But I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll pose that question to you guys. What was the most surprising thing about yesterday um, to you guys out of those I mean, probably defensive dominance just because, like Brando said, man, I I didn't know if week one was a fluke. And, you know, I mean, that Steelers offense, they're not exactly world beaters. So that was my pick, defensive dominance. They they balled out. I I think they've been groomed for this season. It is. I don't think it's a surprise. My hot take this prediction was like a top five defense. So, hey, man, it's one of those deals, you know. Maybe a little reverse psychology. They knew the defense was going to be better than the offense, potentially, and they uh, maybe hyped one up to understate the other. Lie totes, as Mr. Um, David Carpino would say. Um, you know, but... <laughs> Alright, Patty, you want to get in a little drought salute here? Yeah, yeah, boys. So, this uh, champion of the drought, Mr. Nigel Branham, played at Florida State University. Under the legendary Bobby Bowden. You know, this dude, Super Bowl champion, but he spent three and a half great years in Buffalo. You know, I mean, I'm looking at this 2014 season. Okay, this dog balled out. You know, 104 tackles, two and a half sacks. I mean, six tackles for loss. And he had a pick. 
I mean, it was, I, I'm pretty sure that pick was against Tom Brady too, but I mean, the, the man played really well. And John was talking about that 2015 defense. I mean, you know, just honestly, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, you look at, let's see. So they're number four ranked defense in the NFL. I mean, you, you're looking at, I mean, they played, they played really well. Averaged only 18 points per game. That put them at number four in the whole NFL. That team, you know, nine and seven. Kyle Orton tried to carry him into greatness. So, yeah, man. 2014 Bills, Nigel Bradham had a crazy year. 104 tackles, two and a half sacks, six tackles for loss. And there was a great linebacking trio, Preston Brown, Nigel Bradham, and Mr. Brandon Spikes. Great year. I like to look back on it. Other than that, Michael Rivera catch against Oakland, you know, very fond memories. Gosh, that Oakland game was terrible. What did, Oakland ended up what two and fourteen that year? We were one of their yeah. two wins. Oh, that was that was young Derek Carr as well, if I remember. Yeah, and then like a couple years later, he went from being two and fourteen to fourteen and two. But um, yeah, you know, oh, I I actually really felt bad for that team when they did have that year that fourteen and two year because Derek Carr broke his leg and they, they yeah lost the it did before game. the first playoff game. Mr. Matt Shaw. <laughs> yeah, that's that's before they had the goofball as their coach. So that's that's when they still had uh gosh, what's his name? Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio, thank you. Yeah. He's gotta be I oh think he's God, a he's right. a D coordinator he's somewhere right now. I think that's Oh, does he have a job? He's a great Jack player. Del Rio? Yeah, what did he get fired for for the for the Raiders? Wasn't it something? I don't think so. I mean, they were... They just play really bad after that. Guys, you want to hear... They had had a bad season after that, correct? But their real issue is their GM. But anyway, keep going, Pat. You know where Jack Del Rio is going to be next week? Playing against the Bills. He's the defensive coordinator for the Washington football team. Yeah. Okay. Wow, what a good segue. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's just get the hell into our our, our next week's matchup because our offense going up against one of their defenses, man. You know, I, we like Chase Young. He's good. This defense is good on paper, but now that I know that he's their D coordinator, I'm I'm pink, picking Josh Allen to go off again. Well, the reason I I think that Josh is going to have a breakout game for this game is they move the ball, and that's the Giants' offense. So you know they they didn't seem they they seem to have a pretty good plan for Chase Young. So it seemed like the Giants were just chipping with a tight end or sending or keeping an extra uh, running back in, and that was enough to to keep him out of or keep him from disrupting their game plan. Also, how many rushing yards did? Daniel Jones have last yeah, year. Like uh, less than a hundred, but he should have had a hundred without that 90. holding penalty. Yeah. So Josh should be able to have success against them. Yeah. I, I, I would think so. So, yeah, no, I think it'll be a good game, man. I mean, and Taylor Heineke is such a good story. I mean, obviously I don't want it to be a good enough story where he beats us or anything, but, um, I mean, he played pretty well, but the, the only thing I will say is like, you can't throw the ball to Terry McLaurin, whatever, 20 times. And expect the next week that, you know, you can if he's on Brando's fantasy team. You can, then yes. the world will just have it align. Um, but you know that's. But he's going up against Trey White. He's got yeah. Trey White this week. And so. don't think Mr. Super Bowl Shuffle Leslie Frazier is not going to have something dialed up. I mean, and not to say that Logan Thomas isn't like a good player, but like I mean, if he's your second threat, like. You know, I feel I pretty he's he's caught him a long way. He's actually one of the ones that got away. I feel like you know. During that, what was it 
2017, 2018 season, but he's in training camp with the Bills. So it's like, yeah. that's what that's what we were talking about on One Bills Live and stuff like that was, wow, I wonder if I wonder if Logan Thomas can break out and stuff like that. And Well, I mean, he was also coming from playing quarterback in college. Like, I think that's half the problem, too, is it's hard to go from th- throwing him to catching him. Well, that's why Dawson Knox had zero college receptions. So let these guys develop a little bit. We might have Travis Kelsey sitting in our locker room. He's just a little baby. So. Yeah. Zero college uh, touchdowns, you mean? No, passes. Like, he never caught a ball. He was only a blocking tight end. I thought he just had no touchdowns. I didn't know he had no catches at all. Let's see. Dawson no, Knox, sure old Miss. Only, yes, fact check me. Yeah. <laughs> while, we're, while we're on the subject of tight ends that got away... Um, gosh, uh, Tyree Jackson, uh, UB Bulls quarterback is he's on, uh, the Eagles roster, correct? Yeah. As a tight end. Yes. Though. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know. Again, one of those people who look good in the preseason, which doesn't mean anything. So no, he did have, um, as, um, he, he played four years, was a redshirt freshman. Um, geez. He he didn't catch a paw, he didn't catch a pass till his third year in college, but um, he does have no career college touchdowns. But um, as a junior, he had twenty four catches for three hundred twenty one yards, and as um, whatever a junior football wise, but senior academically, he had fifteen catches for two eighty four, no touchdowns. So it's only thirty nine total yeah. in his college. Yeah, thirty nine total. Thirty nine is a lot more than nothing, but still not a lot. I mean. To get drafted, there's probably, you know what I mean, a lot of, you know, receiving tight ends that had better stats. It's going to be a barn burner. The Washington football team is going to come in here. Chase Young is going to try and chase Josh Allen, as his name indicates he will. But it's going to be to no prevail. Josh Allen's going to flip the script on his season this year, and we are going to smash these football players on the Washington team, Washington, D.C., through a burning table into the ground as our record goes to two and one. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a good night. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. You know the handle. <laughs> Uh, and also, you know, leave us a review and subscribe because that helps with Apple Podcasts and such. We so, like. We also like you, interacting with friends. our fans. Yeah, yeah. If you know, if you have anything to say on uh, Twitter, shoot us a shout. We're always. If, open. if you tweet at us, we will read it on the episode. I promise. Yeah, and, you know, if you have any so. have any opinions about our poll that Johnny creates, we're all here for it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later this week uh, for our uh, Brando's bets and some uh, game lines for the coming weekend and stuff like that. So that'll be fun. It's exciting. You have a lot of good games coming up this week. We have have to review about last week, too. We had some interesting calls, some hot takes, some cold takes. More more cold takes. More cold. Yeah.